Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I am Tony Clement. As always, this episode is brought to you by and proudly presented by the good folks at Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. And I know, Tony, we have another great sponsor as well that you're going to tell us more about. Yes, I will. Let me just first say, though, Municipal Solutions is great for business development, market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations, and public policy development. They're a very busy outfit, John Mutton and the gang, and we thank them for being a presenting sponsor. We also thank for being a sponsor merchantfreedom.ca, who are your trusted experts in credit card processing and merchant services. They have low rates, fast and easy processing, no hidden terms and fees, and an e-commerce solution package. They're offering through this podcast a special for veterans who are also entrepreneurs. So veteran entrepreneurs of Canada, no setup fee, no cancellation fee, no contracts. They offer that through virtuous payments. And the folks at merchantfreedom.ca also want us to say that if you do a free audit on your existing setup, uh, they will do that free audit for you to ensure you're paying the fees rate you think you are because some providers offer a great service rate, but it applies to only some of your sales. So they're offering a free audit just to make sure you're getting value for money. And if you're not, merchantfreedom.ca has a solution. So thank you to both of our sponsors. This is episode 53, I believe, 53 or 54, but we are into our second year of doing this podcast. And we have a first today on the show as we welcome a first time return guest and we're going to get to him in just a second but but first for me I wanted to let you know Tony we did on your behalf I hope you don't mind we did send out an email congratulating uh, president-elect Joe Biden uh, on Saturday night and he was nice enough to write us back I just wanted to read it read the email hey Jody and Tony love what you guys are doing out of all the podcasts that I listen to and another thing is one of them uh, talk to you later, Joe. So <laughs> I thought I thought that was very nice of him to do that. So uh, did uh, Kamala also respond, or just Joe? No, it was just Joe. I just have well, his direct email. So okay, okay. Well, there you go. We're in the uh, the hallowed halls of uh, the Willard Hotel, or wherever Joe Biden is is before he enters the White House. So uh, yeah, lots to talk about. And in fact, we do have a repeat guest. Our first one, our very first one of this podcast. Uh, the Honorable uh, former Ambassador uh, to Canada from the United States, His Excellency David Wilkins, is joining us again. Uh, he's, uh, he's a man of great talents. He's uh, at Nelson Mullins Law Firm now, which is in Washington, as well as his home state of South Carolina, was Speaker uh, of uh, the South Carolina legislature, so knows his way around U.S. politics. David Wilkins, thank you for joining us on this program. Well, thank you, Tony and Jody. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm, I'm just wondering, though, if, if you're able to uh, be email pals with uh, Joe Biden, why do you have me? Why don't you just have him on the show? <laughs> well, well I, I okay, I might have been making that up, David, if you're going to put me on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there's more fake news. You never know. You never know. Uh, David, uh, obviously, uh, the results uh, seem to be in, although they are still contested results, we should say. And I know Lindsey Graham has uh, said uh, 
said a few things about it, but uh, give us give us your lay of the land right now. Uh, what what you see is happening, and what you see will be happening in the near term. Well, you know, the election was uh, last Tuesday, as we all know. The uh, under our system, it takes a, a while to to count all votes. There's still counting going on in a couple of states. There's no winner declared, as I'm aware of. Uh, in Alaska and North Carolina, and uh, still votes being counted. I believe uh, Arizona's in that category as well. Uh, obviously, the uh, the press called uh, called the election in favor of Joe Biden uh, uh, over the weekend uh, when he took Pennsylvania and had a lead in uh, in Georgia. Uh, but under our law, you've got recounts. Uh, state law governs, but I know there's going to be a recount in Wisconsin. There's going to be a recount uh, in Georgia. They may or may not be one in Pennsylvania, depending on the vote margin. But a lot of these states have a have a margin that if it votes within a certain margin, one percent, a half one percent, then there's an automatic uh, recount. So that's going on. And now you also have some lawsuits. Uh, claiming voter impropriety or or fraud and uh, obviously that that has to go to court and there has to be proof of that uh those are the allegations but there's got to be proof of that before it affects the the uh the, the certain voting question uh so all that's got to play out i mean uh it's it's not um it's it's not terribly unusual in an extremely close race and this is one of the closest presidential races we've had in in the in, you know, in the, uh, I guess, last several decades, uh, that um, to, to have it not not exactly in on the, the night of the election. Um, if you recall back in 2000, um, the uh, Gore-Bush uh, election and, and, and controversy following that went on, literally went on for 46 days. There were uh, cases brought before the Florida Supreme Court on two occasions, and it finally ended up in the United States Supreme Court before there was some uh, finality to it. So Gore, I don't Gore, expect this to go on that long, but but yeah. it does surprise me that uh, we're still talking about this election and the results of it uh, six days after the, the vote on uh, November 3rd. Well, Gore didn't actually concede until December 4th. Uh, you know, that, that, that's the, that's the interesting thing. People are on Trump's case, you know, concede right now. Well, Gordon concede for a full month. That's, that's right. I mean, yes. So it went on for quite a while. Uh, I was thinking it was a little bit longer than that, but you may be right, but it was certainly a, a month or more before there was some finality to it. So, uh, I think in, uh, in, in Georgia, there's a very, um, fairly close margin there, uh, the last time I checked in Pennsylvania, it was some 40,000. But this is a, uh, an exceptionally close race for a, a presidential when you look at the electoral votes. And so you, you basically got three states in play, uh, three or four states in play, uh, Georgia and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin uh, and Arizona. If those uh, switched around, then it would change the results. But ha- having said that, most people are assuming that uh, Joe Biden will be the next president and uh, we just got to let this play out for a few more days or maybe even a, a week or two. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the things we do know. We do know that it's 
well, we don't know this, but it's highly likely that the Republicans will retain control of the U.S. Senate. Uh, Right now it's 48-48, but uh, Alaska and North Carolina are trending towards the the Republican. Uh, Then you've got the two uh, runoff uh, uh, seats in Georgia, uh, one where I guess it was Purdue, uh, he was at 49.7%. So he's going to a runoff because he didn't make 50, but it's highly likely he's likely to, uh, to have that Senate seat. And so the, the Republicans are either, it's either going to be 51-49 or 52-48 in the Senate. Is that your take on things too? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, Republicans uh, outperformed all expectations through, throughout the country. The, uh, uh, it was not this uh, blue wave election that everyone, they're all posters and pundits and media were, uh, were predicting. Uh, you have a very close presidential race when it was predicted that Biden would win overwhelmingly. One poll a day before had him winning Wisconsin by, I believe, over 15 points. Uh, and he ended up winning by just a, a few a few votes actually. Uh, in the in the Senate, it was predicted that uh, Democrats would pick up a, a net five and and have a at least a fifty two forty eight margin uh, of majority. And you know that didn't happen. So far, you've had a net one gained by the Democrats. They they won uh, Arizona uh, and won Colorado, and Republicans won. Uh, Alabama, so that's a net one. Uh, there's certainly Republicans are going to win uh, North Carolina. I think uh, the Republican senator was well over 100,000 votes in the lead and less than 2% still remaining to be counted. Uh, Sullivan in um, Alaska is going to win. He was up 2-1 to one last time I checked. Uh, so they go into uh, the end of the year with a 50-48 to 48 margin with uh, two runoffs in in Georgia and like you say um, Purdue just barely missed by a whisker of becoming the, the re-elected senator there uh, they have their, their law is a little bit different than most where they have require a majority plus one of the winner and and not just whoever gets the most votes so he got 49.8 or seven and so he has to have a runoff um, Lockler is uh, was in a a race with, I think, 20 other candidates. She and the Republicans split the vote. She came in second, uh, but she's got a real good chance to to win uh, in in the runoff. So you got this runoff in Georgia uh, on January 5th. Uh, if it's a tie uh, and Biden is the president, then the vice president gets to break a tie in the Senate. And so the Democrats would uh, have a, ma- a majority. Right. Uh, I expect that the Republicans will win. Uh, and uh, they'll have a 52-48 uh, majority when it's all said and done. But nobody can take it for granted, and I'm sure that over the next uh, little less than two months, there will be an enormous amount of interest, an enormous amount of effort, and an enormous amount of money uh, poured into the state of Georgia for this runoff election. Yeah, they're already talking about $200 million being spent on the runoff election. Uh, so that's uh, it's just incredible. The that's money. more than they spend in Canada. On <laughs> exactly. That's like 10 times more than people spend for a national election in Canada. It's unbelievable. So um, uh, a couple of things out of this. Obviously, 
Uh, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to give you my pet theories. I'd, I'd love for you to re- respond on the Democratic side, the progressive Democrats like AOC and the squad and all those people they're uh, they're going to be shut out. I mean, uh, if if Biden is the president, if he is, then uh, he can't get past a Republican Senate, uh, you know, hyper progressive cabinet choices, especially for Treasury or S- Secretary of State. He's going to have to go with centrists to get them uh, approved quickly by the U.S. Senate. Uh, and uh, within the House of Representatives, of course, uh, Pelosi lost ground. Uh, so, And they're going to blame the, the radical Democrats like AOC for that and their Green New Deal or what have you. So uh, all of a sudden, uh, in the Democratic side, there's going to be uh, this big tug of war between the progressives and the centrists, uh, which will play out in the 2022 um, congressional elections. So that's my theory on the Democrat side. Uh, please feel free to critique that. Well, I think you're right. I mean, uh, there, there are probably some that think it might be better for uh, President-elect Biden to uh, to have a, a Republican majority, it will certainly uh, make it a more, a more moderate Biden administration. Uh, if you have that, if, if the Democrats control the House, the Senate, uh, and the White House, then it will be a much more liberal Biden administration. There will be much more pressure from the uh, more liberal wing of the Democratic Party to pass uh, legislation. But with a majority Republican-controlled uh, uh Senate, then there'll be no new Green Deal. There'll be no packing of the Supreme Court. There'll be no uh, new states added like D.C. to the Union. Uh, so it will be uh, it'll be more give and take, more finding common ground uh, than having it. This this is the way it's going to be, and uh, my way or no way type thing. Now you you've met you've met Joe Biden, I'm assuming. I have. Yeah, is he quite apart from the partisanship? Um, is he a is he a man that Republicans can deal with uh, on a fairly reasonable basis? Well, I, I hope so, and I think so. He, he certainly has the experience in the Senate, so he has those contacts. He he served with uh, for a number of years with obviously Mitch McConnell, uh, and uh, and still a, a lot of other uh, colleagues in the Senate. He he uh, has taken a lot of. Uh, what they call Codell Senate official trips uh, with folks like Lindsey Graham uh, to the Middle East on a number of occasions. Uh, so I, I would think that they would, they, they certainly have the relationship. And if they take advantage of it, I would hope that they would be able to find some common ground on major legislation that, that needs to be passed. But, but a Senate majority is a, it's a protection, I think, to the American people of some really, uh, liberal ideas and and uh things that would not be in the benefit of of the american people yeah i mean and and david uh, really what happened was that uh, the american people didn't buy assuming biden does eke out a victory let's say uh they didn't buy the argument let's let's give the democrats more power through flipping the senate the the democrats spent a lot of money trying to flip uh lindsey graham's seat as a as a prime example mitch mcconnell's seat as well and they didn't even come close so clearly that w- that wasn't something the american people wanted yeah that's true and you can go on down the list you can look at maine and and uh, susan collins uh tillis is a good example in north carolina 
uh, and on and on where uh, Jody Ernst in, uh, in Iowa. Uh, these were seats targeted by the Democrats. Uh, tens of millions of dollars were spent. They were pretty confident they were going to win uh, five or six of them, and, they, and to date only have netted one. Uh, and uh, the same thing in the House. It was predicted that Democrats would pick up some said as many as 15 or 20 seats, not not one to date, and there's still a few out being counted, but I believe I'm correct in saying to, to date, not one incumbent Republican uh, House member was defeated. And the Republicans have picked up, again, last count, and this changes from time to time but, uh, as, as more elections are finalized, but uh, I believe they picked up a net of five, uh, in the House when it was predicted they might lose 15 to 20. Yeah, what and, a difference. Uh, Tony, the other, the other thing is interesting to look at is, is the state house races. Uh, it, for example, the Texas legislature was targeted by the Democrats, and, and uh, not, one, not one state legislature uh, flipped from Republican to Democrat. Uh, there was, were a couple that flipped from Democrat to Republican. I, I know the New Hampshire... House and Senate uh, changed from Democrat to Republican. And you might ask why this is important. Well, reapportionment uh, right after the census comes up, and that's where you draw the lines for the congressional races and the House and Senate uh, races in the, in the uh, respective states. And in 36 states that draw the lines legislatively by the, by the House and Senate in the state legislature, 24 are controlled by the Republicans now, uh, and that that is important when it comes to what what congressional lines these folks will be running from uh, in the next election. So it's it's important to maintain control of the of the state legislatures, and uh, the majority of them are now controlled by Republicans, and that and that's important. Jody, uh, what have you uh, got for our guest as a as a question or a comment? David, let's assume that Joe Biden obviously ends up being successful and takes the White House. What does, I'm asking you to speculate here, but what do you think Trump does for the next four years? And does he look at running again in 2024? You know, there's been speculation that he might do that. I, I have no way of knowing. I think we just have to let it all play out. I'm afraid I'm not, I can't look in the crystal ball and predict that, but, uh, you know, I, 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 he, he has been, he's had such an impact. He has a huge following in the United States. I think he will continue to have a good bit of influence uh, on the entire uh, political landscape and, and, uh, and process. And as a follow-up question, I know you probably didn't want to go here, but can Clemson rebound from that loss to Notre Dame on Saturday night? Absolutely. <laughs> There's no doubt. We in- we, uh, we we will we we have a really good team. We will bounce back. We have several guys injured. Our, our, our number one draft pick quarterback will be back playing the next game. We have a we have a week off, uh, which is good to to heal, and then uh, then we start back with Florida State uh, week after next, and we hope to play Notre Dame in the ACC championship finals uh, in December. And one other th- quick thing is I was just thinking, I'm being kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, facetious here, but there was all this talk about, you know, the COVID deaths that have occurred, that Trump, and I think Biden was very clear, that President Trump is responsible for those deaths. 
when Biden becomes president, if he becomes president, do the deaths moving forward, is he responsible for those ones or does the blame shift? Well, I think, uh, yeah, that, that is somewhat facetious. I, you know, we, we want, we want our leaders to do the best they can with this deadly disease that we've, we've never faced. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't buy into that. That it's Trump's fault. I won't buy into it. That it's Biden's fault. We all, we all in exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's. I think that's probably Jody's point. Um, I, the, Trump is still very dominant within the GOP. Obviously, uh, seventy-one million votes uh, counts for something, and he did better in practically all categories except for white males. And I guess. Uh, uh, when you starting to parse the election results now, I guess uh, the elderly, he, he did a little bit worse, but he did better with Latinos, better with women than in 20, 2016, better with uh, with the black vote than in 2016. So uh, if you're a Republican strategist and, you, you know, you, you've been you've been around Republican strategists for most of your life, they got to look at that and say, OK, there's there's a path here for future growth. Is that the way you see it, David? Yeah, I think there's a playbook there. Uh, he, uh, he he received seven million more votes than four years ago, I believe. Uh, he uh, he certainly did, uh, like, like you've already said, he did better with uh, uh, Hispanics. He did quite well in Florida, uh, surprisingly higher number there. Uh, he did well in, in uh in Texas, uh, one of the reasons they didn't they didn't take Texas and didn't flip the house in Texas, he did so much better than expected with the Latino vote there. Um, he did he did a higher number with the Muslim vote, for example. And so, I, I think he improved on every category except, like you said, white uh, white males. Yeah. So that when you're looking at that and thinking, okay, uh, you know, we we we've got to be a party that. Uh, appeals to blue collar, uh, appeals to what we call in Canada racialized minorities uh, and these uh, minority majority areas of the country, uh, it's, they're not going to cede that ground to the Democrats. They're going to try to build up a new coalition. Yeah, you're exactly right. The Republican Party needs to expand its base, and, uh, and, and I think Trump did that, uh, and it's a, good, it's a good example to follow. So uh, moving forward, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I think that uh, the, the stolen election uh, theory is going to continue to play out in American politics, whether Trump is sworn in or not. That's certainly going to be a narrative that's going to be out there. So um, you, we heard Biden's speech over the weekend, I guess Saturday night. Uh, he seems to want to try to to be the healer uh, rather than uh, play partisan games. Is that possible in the American system now, though, or is, is partisanship still the way, the way things are? I'm not sure. I mean, those were, those were uh, appropriate words, uh, and uh, it, it, it's, you'd like to think that's going to happen, and he's going to reach out, and, and, and it'll be reciprocated. But the, the bottom line is that the, 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 uh, the margins are so thin now and the competition mm-hmm. is so great. Uh, you got a close margin now in the, in the U S house, a razor thin margin in the Senate, two, two seats still up. I mean, as long as it's that competitive and that close, it, it makes it very difficult on either side to be uh, nonpartisan. Uh, 
you, you, I found I was in the uh, I was on the ballot 13 times, and I was in the Cyclone House for 25 years. And I got there when there were one out of I was one out of 18 Republicans out of 124, and 14 years later became Speaker of the House with a with a very thin Republican majority. Uh, but I found that that the tighter the the numbers and the closer the the, comp- the closer the numbers are and the more the competition is to who's going to be in charge, the more partisan, the, the tougher it gets to find common ground. And when there's a, a, a clear majority, a strong majority, and a weak minority, it's pretty easy to be nonpartisan. Yeah, yeah. And, and, to, and to work together because there's really only one side calling the shots. Uh, but when it's when it's really up, the, as, I, as our numbers narrowed in the South Carolina House, as, we, as I was... Coming through my career, I found that it got it got more and more partisan as we got closer and closer to taking a majority. Well, David Wilkins, we wish you uh, every success. I know it's uh, it's something to behold. American democracy, uh, the highest turnout in 120 years, I think. Uh, so that I guess is something to be celebrated, uh, and uh, indeed uh, uh, that kind of. Uh, participation rate is something we haven't seen in our lifetime. So there are, there are some uh, silver linings, even if there are still a few gray clouds. I totally agree. I, 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 I have said, I think the winner of this election was the American people. When you had uh, over 150 million people participate, uh, the highest percent of participation since I believe 1900. Uh, some people having to stand out of lines three, four hours to vote. Uh, that's a tribute to the American people and, um, that the American people are the true winners, regardless whether you're a candidate one or not. I think the fact that we had such participation is a strong, uh, strong point to remember and to build on. Um, and you know, American politics is not, is a contact sport. It's not for the faint of heart. It's been, it's been a rugged, uh, couple of weeks. It was a tough, bitter, uh, race, but it's, it's, slowly coming to an end here. Well, we wish you well and uh, peace to all Americans. That's for sure. Jody. Yeah. Thanks for doing this, David. We appreciate it. And brighter days ahead for Clemson. No doubt. No doubt. And Hey guys, I'm honored to be the second uh, return. I guess the first uh, repeat first return. Yeah. Yeah. So let me know when I need to do it a third time. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> so some more excellent insight, Tony from David there. Always a pleasure to have him on the show and uh, you heard him at the end he'll come back anytime so well okay well i think we've got a slot next week no we don't have a slot next week (laughs) as it turns out out, uh, we've got a very same i'm tied up (laughs) (laughs) he's tied up he's making it clear right now but uh, next week we've got a very interesting guest a uh, a former liberal cabinet minister will be joining us i'll just sort of tease that out uh, but we're very excited to have him as a guest as well as we as this podcast continues to expand uh, and uh, we're we're national we're international we're all over all over the world with our podcast so I'm very proud of that yeah that's awesome and again we're going to thank our sponsors municipal solutions and merchant freedom and we couldn't be doing this without them uh, well, actually, we we could be doing this without them, but with them we get paid, so it's good. Yeah, win win. Forty five weeks we did it without them, but it, yeah, exactly. have them along for the ride. Now you're right. And I should mention too that during this uh, this show, uh, Vice President Elect Kamala Harris did write us because remember we said 
how Joe had responded. She did write us, and her response was, who's Jody and Tony? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, That's because we didn't go to Westmount Collegiate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we will talk in seven days, Tony, and looking forward to the next one. For sure.